Bring me your tired, your stressed, your overwhelmed and anxious, yearning for some joy in life. It's time to go out and play. to the Playgrounding Podcast. This is Kara Stuart Fortier and I am freaking out because I'm starting Hughes video, which is way scarier than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I'm also celebrating that this is my episode number 50 of the Playground of the Playgrounding Podcast. Um, yeah, and I'm just so overwhelmed and excited by the, the two women that you're going to hear from today. They are the co-founders of the Global Play Brigade. Their names are Kathy Salit and Fernando Liberale. They are just unbelievable humans doing unbelievable work um, at a time like this. If you haven't heard of the Global Play Brigade, you probably will very soon, especially if you're around in and out around the play community. And if you're not, you are exactly who they want to reach out to and meet. Um, it's a volunteer community. They are play and performance activists, improvisers, clowns, musicians, therapists and educators, they have come together in response to the global pandemic and all of the distressing inequities that is exposed in this time in history. Um, so this is all brand new. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, clowns and improvisers helping us, you know, address inequality. And of course, you're on playgrounding. This is playgrounding. This is exactly the stuff we talk about. And we take it very, very, very seriously. Um, anyway, wait till you meet the founders of this amazing organization. Kathy Salit, she is a performance activist, author, social entrepreneur, jazz singer, speaker, executive coach, and theatrical improviser. She's been a lifelong community organizer and a radical educator since she was 13. And I mean it, when she dropped out of school at 13, she started her own high school in New York City. She'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but for 23 years, Salit was a CEO and co-founder of the Maverick Leadership Consultancy Performance of a Lifetime, or aka POAL. Um, under her leadership, POAL developed a top brand client roster, including American Express, IBM, Twitter, Nike, the U.S. Olympics, and John Hopkins Hospital. POAL utilizes the informative performance, sorry, POAL utilizes the I can't talk. POAL utilizes the innovative performance and development approach, the becoming principle. She talks a little bit about that too. Um, it helps leaders and teams to collaborate, grow, and create culture change. She's also an author. Her book is called Performance Breakthrough, a radical approach to success at work. She's on the advisory board of the Freestyle Love Supreme Academy a faculty member of the East Side Institute and a member of the Castillo Theater Improv team. And most recently and why she's here today, she is the founder and chief organizer of Global Play Brigade. Now meet Fernanda Cuello Liberale. She is a teacher educator and she's a researcher and professor at the Pontifical Catholic University of Sao Paulo. She's in the Department of Science of Languages and Philosophy. She's in the program of postgraduate studies in applied linguistics and language studies, as well as the postgraduate program in education, education of educators. She holds a degree in, ling in languages from the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro, a master's degree and a doctorate degree in applied linguistics and language studies, and three, three, count them, three postdoctorate degrees from the University of Helsinki, the Berlin Frey Universität and Rutgers University. And now, meet Kathy and Fernanda. Thank you guys so much for doing this with me today. I am so, I'm kind of in that I'm not worthy kind of thing right now because. Oh, stop that. <laughs> well, I've just been so excited to meet the Global Play Brigade in general, but get to, getting to interview the two of you. Um, maybe could you guys go, go ahead and give yourselves a little introduction? I'm going to read your bios in the, in the intro, but if you could maybe introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the Global Play Brigade. 
You want to start, Fernando, or you want me to start? You are. You are. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's wonderful to be here with you, Kara, and wonderful, of course, to be here with Fernanda, uh, because um, she and I have been there since the beginning of the Global Play Brigade, and um, she is such an inspiration to me, as will she be to your listeners, because mm-hmm. once they hear from her and about her, they will feel the exact same way. Um, and Kara, it's wonderful to meet you, and I've just gotten to know you just a little bit, uh, just literally like in the past like few days, just from <laughs> your being involved um, with the Global Play Brigade. So thank you for having me and having us. Uh, yeah, my name is Kathy Salit. Uh, let's see, what can I share? I grew up in New York City. I, um, I'm born and raised there, uh, remain there. And um, I've been an activist my entire life. Um, and uh, I actually... My mom um, was very active in the civil rights movement, and so she um, taught me right. And uh, very early on, I learned how to be on marches and run from police officers on horses uh, and to get out of the way. Um, But also um, to... uh, I I grew up in a a middle-class and upper-middle-class background, so I had... I had a lot of privilege, um, but it was through my mother and all of the wonderful people that she introduced me to that were involved in the movement um, at the time that I was able to begin to really learn more about people who were different than me. And um, that ended up being a path that I chose. I I, um, I think this is in my bio. I, mm-hmm. I dropped out of school when I was 12 years old uh, because I didn't like it. Um, I thought it was boring. I thought it was um, authoritarian and I thought it was irrelevant. And so um, I, uh, um, my mother gave me the permission to quit school only if I agreed to start a new one, um, which was sort of ridiculous to be 12 years old and be told by your mother, you should start a school. But she said she would help. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and, she, and she did. And uh uh, anyway, that's a whole story that, you know, maybe is for another conversation, but um, I never went back to traditional school. So I, unlike Fernanda, um, am thoroughly uneducated, <laughs> absolutely no traditional training, um, but I managed to, um, again, thanks to my mom, her name was Seema, um, mm. She passed away in 1992, um, an incredible inspiration to me. Um, I was, I met the late um, philosopher and activist um, and psychotherapist, Fred Newman, mm-hmm. and um, became part of a growing community that he was a, a, a an architect of, of, of people who um, believed that the world was unjust, that the world was unfair, um, but that rather than simply critique it um, and denounce it, uh, that what we needed to do was to create new kinds of institutions, new alternatives, both in psychology, in politics, in culture, uh, as a way to deconstruct and reconstruct, if you will, um, a new world that challenged the status quo. And so um, as CEO and co-founder of a leadership development company called Performance of a Lifetime, which is still thriving, um, I was able to take um, some of the discoveries that he and uh, Dr. Lenore Falani and Dr. Lois Holzman and many others of us activists um, were making in the creating of these new institutions um, and uh, in particular the value of performance and play as a way to dislodge people from our sort of scripted ways of seeing and hearing and interacting Because when you perform and when you play, you get to pretend to be other than who you are, which also happens to be how little children grow and learn. And we all support them to play and to be both who they are and who they're becoming. Well, adults need that too. I think we need that more than ever in our times today. Uh, And I think that that's part of what we're seeing with the development of the Global Play Brigade, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the incredible support of people from all walks of life coming out to the streets and to the screens and saying, um, the way that I have been and the way that we have been doesn't work anymore. 
it doesn't work anymore. And so let's shed our normal skins. Let's shed our normal personas. Let's shed our normal status quo and create something new. And so lots more to say about that, but the Global Play Brigade is, is I think, an instantiation of that. I think it's part of that global movement that is happening now. And um, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is, it's just, it's such a huge thing to take on, um, you know, to, to find new ways to do all these new things and think new ways. And it seems like such a simple thing to play and pretend, um, but it is so powerful. And that's what I'm so excited that you guys are drawing attention to. Um, Fernanda, tell me a little bit about yourself. First of all, let me say that it's an honor for me to be here with you and Kathy. Uh, I was so uh, inspired by the work that Kathy has been doing and the way she just got out and invited all this number of people to join together and try to find ways of dealing with this horrible moment we are going through, not only because of COVID, but because of everything. So first of all, that's fabulous to, to think that there are people who are involved with this and Kathy is uh, this person who can make it possible, who can uh, put us together. And uh, personally, for me, that was an essential thing. So I'm very honored to be here to represent the GPB and talk to you about it. Well, about me, well, I was born uh, in a very, very poor community in Rio de Janeiro um, in the time in the times of, of dictatorship in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was raised by a family of people who never, never had the chance to study. My brothers didn't have a chance to conclude their, um, their basic studies. And uh, I was like a, a late child, I don't know how to say that. But anyway, in Brazil, it's very rare that someone who is born the way I was have a chance to get to the university. But my parents and my mother, mainly she used to say, you have to study to be someone in, in, in your life because if you don't study, there is no way you will get anywhere from where we are because it's very hard in our country to have a chance to succeed. So I decided that I was going to take at least a university degree. And, and I had this opportunity to learn English because my neighbor, who was also responsible for my being born because my mother had had so many miscarriages, and abortions in her life that she was decided that she was not going to have that baby, me. And my neighbor, she said, no, please do it because it's gonna be a girl and she's going to be a friend to my daughter, so do it. And then my mother decided to have this baby, me. <laughs> I was not supposed to be here at first. She <laughs> that, but anyway, this neighbor, she also told my mother, she helped my mother with uh, financial support to, to take care of me and also with support on how to, 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 to take care of me. So the, one of the most important things she did to me was to tell my mother to enroll me to, in an English language course. And that's why I'm here today. Wow. Because if not for that, I would not be able to grow the way I did because I got to the university to study, to become an English teacher. And, and then I started teaching English. And then I took a degree, a master degree on teaching and, and language teaching and then on teacher education. But this was my personal life. Together with that, I was involved. We were talking before about this uh, religious thing. And I was involved during the times of dictatorship and in my my youth with groups that were in, into what we call in the Latin American countries, the theology of liberation. Yes. That, is, that is a movement, a very special movement within the Catholic Church and with some other types of, of religions as well. But this movement would teach us about the problems of our own reality and the problems of the realities that were even worse than the ones we lived. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say that I learned about Marx in the church. 
<laughs> That's where I learned about all these Marxist ideas and how to create revolution. And, and when I was 14, 15, we were already trying to create revolution within the favelas in Rio. I met my husband there and together we did it through, we have been doing this throughout our lives, work within the, the, the ideas of creating freedom, but in the sense of being free from the constraints of an unfair society. And as a university professor, the kind of research I have conducted within a Vygotskyan perspective, which also allows to think about play, just as Kathy has talked about, and what made me connect with Lois Hosman, was Vygotsky. Because at the university, I what I do is what we call a co critical collaborative research, which is the kind of research that is not only to create, to publish papers, but to create new possibilities of living for people through research, through academic life. So um, when the COVID-19 came and we went into I don't know, this quarantine here in our country, I was kind of desperate. And uh, the first time Kathy invited me for a meeting and uh, she talked about play and all this, I was only thinking about the number of Brazilians who would die and are dying, like the indigenous people who are just left aside by a horrible government. The government we had now has no respect for black people, for indigenous people, for poor people. And I was so desperate, I couldn't find a solution, but it was through playing and it was in that meeting that something new was created. That's why I always connect the Global Play Brigade with Freire's, Paulo Freire's idea of the viable unheard of. The Global Play Brigade is that thing that was never imagined before, but is viable and now is being done. So I, I think that this activity has created the possibility of putting together two of my main um, theoretical backgrounds, Freire and Vygotsky. Freire with the viable unheard of and Vygotsky with place. So I feel very coherent in what I'm doing, in yeah. this craziness that we are living. That is amazing. And I now my first thought, you know, as I really started to dig into your website and just to sort of go through down the rabbit hole, there's just so much to learn and so many things to click on. And but the first question I have that I mean, I'm a play fanatic, like I've been fascinated by the subject. And then I put myself in the shoes of somebody who's like, we have important adult work to do. Um, what in the world is how can play do this? What is, how is this a viable thing? It's something we're supposed to give up when we grow up um, because we have to do serious things. How, how do you help connect the idea that play is so valuable um, and, and help me understand this? Let me, I guess this is a second question, but maybe they go together. This viable unheard of. Um, what, what are those things and how, how does play work to bring that about? I'll start. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, Fernanda, it's so nice to hear that history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew just a little bit of, act, of it, actually. But um, so, Cara, thanks again for giving us all a chance to get to know each other. Absolutely. <laughs> this is your story, actually. We've <laughs> 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 been playing um, so much and working so hard that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the thing about play, um, why don't I start with, um, I'll give an example um, of a program that I've been very involved in uh, out of an organization that's based in the United States called the All Stars Project. And uh, this is a this is a youth development program that uses performance and play uh, that was founded by Dr. Fred Newman and and Dr. Lenora Falani, uh, working with um, inner city kids in poor communities around the, the country, and also in partnership with um, middle class and affluent adults. Uh, and so it's it's a pretty incredible bridge building community, very broad community. Um, and at the heart of it, of the work, is performance and play as a way to create an environment 
in which the young people are supported to do something that they love, which is to perform. They love to get up on stage and and sing and dance and and do hip hop and rap and 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 tell you know do do uh, all, skits and all kinds of things um, to take that give them a platform for that um, and also work with them on how to perform in new ways in their lives, both on and off the stage and um, create environments where they can get support and access to so much of what most poor kids and most poor people don't have access to, which is all of the privilege and all of the wealth. I mean, Fernanda's story is sort of a wonderful example of that where she gets exposed to being in an educational environment. It gets pushed to be there, gets supported to be there, you know, to make that possible. And then all kinds of things are possible as a result. Um, so one of the programs of the, of the All-Stars Project is a program called Operation Conversation Cops and Kids. And um, myself and the folks from Performance of a Lifetime um, helped design that program for and with Dr. Lenore Falani. And what it, what it was, was it was in response back in 2006 to a, yet another shooting by a young black man by police officers. It was the night before his wedding. He was at a bachelor party on his yeah, way and he was murdered by 40, by, with 41 bullets by police officers. And it was, um, so if anybody thinks this is a new phenomena, which I think for the most part people know is not a new phenomena, this has been going on well before that, um, but certainly then. And what the All-Stars um, decided to do was to see, hey, can we use play and performance, can we possibly bring together and bring put bring in a room both young people, um, black and brown young people, and police officers who also, by the way, happen to be black, brown, and white, um, but bring them into a room together and see if we can have a new kind of conversation. See if we can create some sort of space where people are able to hear each other, where the young people can provide some leadership to the police officers and say, we want you to understand what it is for us out on the streets and how we experience you. And, um, and also for the young people to meet the police officers. And so we designed a program which became an official part of the NY, the New York Police Department, and is now an official part of the Newark Police Department. Um, and now in the face of what's going on in our country, many, many different police departments are now clamoring for this. Mm. And what happens is that the young people and the police officers come into a room together and um, within, within moments, um, Dr. Falani and her trained workshop leaders um, have the police sit police kid, police kid, cop kid, cop kid, because of course everybody comes in and the cops are on one side and the police and the kids are on the other side and the cops are in their costume with guns and and you know ticket things and heavy gear and the kids are in their costume with the hoodies and you know their pants you know below their butts and <laughs> you know and their headphones and everybody's you know in character and um and then they start doing this really really weird slow movement uh performance together they're directed to do us to start moving in slow motion in the way that, you know, actors might warm up, you mm -hmm. know, at the beginning of a rehearsal or something like that. Like they're walking on the moon. Um, and from there, then they, at some point they start doing a skit. They create a skit where they play different members of um, the same family. So cops and kids are members of the same family and um, they're having an argument um, with the, the parents are having an argument with the children, again, played by cops and kids, played by cops and kids, about what kind of pet to get. And it ends up being this, you know, think about it, ridiculously hysterical, funny, silly, absurd skit. And everybody's laughing and everybody is looking at each other in some new ways. And everybody is sort of seeing when they start the slow movement, it's one of the things that I love about it so much is that they start, the cops and the kids start to look at each other and they're look, they're thinking to themselves, who the hell are these people telling us to do this? They're both having the same experience. <laughs> 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 like, are you, you know, freaking kidding me? Why are we, 
So now they're agreeing on something <laughs> for the first time. They're mad at us, you know, the workshop leaders. <laughs> and, you know, Kara, that playful activity combined with structured and facilitated conversation where things like you can't ask questions, you just have to listen, you know, and where the kids get a chance to talk about what their experience on the street is. And the cops get to talk about what their experience, um, you know, uh, is and um, they're able to start to hear each other and to see each other. And one of the most beautiful performances that they're helped to create is sometimes, often, a young person will tell a pretty horrible story about one of the worst things that's happened to them. And um, at some point, a, a police officer and a, that young person come to a, the middle of the circle, and the police officer is instructed by the facilitator to express empathy about what they heard. And they sit there and they talk about how scary that must have been. And these are things like wonderful, you know, terrible things that the young people talk about, having their best friend's head blown off by, uh, you know, um, by a gang member, um, having their uncle arrested and then never coming back, um, having their mom, you know, be suffer from schizophrenia and having to take care of the family and just all the kinds of very painful things that people who are, you know, forced to live in poverty have to suffer through. Um, and there's a, there's an awakening that happens in, in that context. But the thing that I, I want to emphasize in the story, and I hope this comes across, it is the play that makes that possible. It is only the play that makes that possible because it's through play that we can shed as I was saying before, we can shed our defenses. We can forget about the way we're supposed to be. We can imagine, and I would even, and quoting, you know, Paolo Ferrari, we can create an unviable herd of, because that is, uh, that is unheard of. That is unheard of. And so, you know, I think that this work in this case, you know, in the All-Stars, I think that a lot of the, I think that this is early ground that has been set for what we're dealing with now in our country, um, because what's more important than ever is that we have new kinds of conversations and very difficult conversations. Um, but they're ones where we create, play creates the space for everybody to be heard and to hear new things and to listen in new ways. And I'll just say one more thing. I know I'm going on and on no, because I great. love talking about this, but um, Carrie, you're an improviser. You understand this. The, 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 some of the basic tenets of improvisation and what makes it so brilliant and makes it so fascinating when, you know, if you're watching improvisers on stage and you're thinking to yourself, they must have planned this. They must have some, some of this must be scripted because it's just too damn good for them to be making it up on the spot. But of course, you know, and probably your listeners know, the kind of listening that you do as an improviser is not a trading of information. It's not a competition. It's not a transaction. What it is, is you are co-creating with all of the offers that you hear, you are bound by duty, by improvisational, playful duty to take everything you hear and see and um, experience as, an, as a gift and your job is to create with it. That's the kind of listening that we are, that play gives to people. And so, you know, both in the all-stars, cops and kids work, um, certainly in the work that I've done over the years at Performance of a Lifetime, and most especially with the Global Play Brigade, one of the aims of the sessions that we have is to begin to introduce that kind of play, that kind of listening, that kind of co-creating an environment where new possibilities can emerge, new kinds of relationships. So play is about as serious you, as you can <sighs> get about the serious problems that we're facing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm, wow. That's amazing. Wow. Fernanda, I'm just going to sit here and take all this in. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It took me uh, some time to understand the power of play. 
because as a researcher, I knew the power of play and in different levels as, as something that I studied a lot. And I, I also experienced the power of play. We organize, I work mainly with teacher education. So I work with people from favelas and people from very wealthy communities. And I put them together. And we do this by recreating school space through play. And so I knew the power of play. And I knew that when teachers started learning how to use play in schools to deal with subject areas, with, with whatever it was that they had there, like we had students with bullying problems in, in their school and they solved this through play. So we, I knew it. I, I, have, I have supervised uh, PhD students, master's students working with the concept of play. And I knew it was revolutionary, but I didn't have the dimension of, of it. I didn't know how powerful it was. Um, I have been through many different difficulties in life and with uh, my reality. And I use different things. Uh, I am involved with politics in the country. I'm involved in different things. I'm really... Uh, active, just like Kathy said, but I could never imagine that with the, the pandemic we would end up by using play as the means to transform our reality. I could never, today we are writing one more piece to send to the government against something that they now created for small kids. Uh, and how did we do it? Through play. We played with this. We sent last week a package of, of masks for indigenous people in very, uh, in, uh, I don't know, very inside the, the, the Amazon rainforest. And this package came from China. We Brazilians played together with the Global Play Brigaders, Brigadiers from China. And from that connection, we create the possibilities for them to, bring, to send us the masks, which we sent to the Amazon rainforest for the indigenous people. We have, we have found ways to provide people with more than 500 um, boxes of food for, for people, immigrant people and poor people here. How did we do that? By playing with different communities and by creating the brincadas, which is our play brigade, brinca. And with this, we put together the idea that play, as Kathy said, is to go beyond your possibilities. It's to use whatever you have to create, as Vygotsky says, a habit, a head taller than you are. So you act beyond your limits. And we have been learning through playing with things and, and doing sessions on play. And uh, we are creating possibilities in terms of political scenario, by denouncing things in a very strong way. We are creating this by doing teacher education because teachers are desperate about how they are going to deal with education in this moment. And we just yesterday, we launched a book that is, is involved with the Global Play Brigade with a lot of ideas on how teachers can play and can act and can organize themselves. And we managed to connect with a, a company that published the book for free on the internet for whoever wants to have it. Awesome. So it's available for people. So we have tried and connected with people who are willing to voluntarily listen to other people. So we have personally, one-to-one or in a, in, a, in a collective group. So we've been do, doing things that we would never imagine if in January that would be possible. How? Because we, we believed in the power of playing ahead of ourselves, Ooh. of working with our possibilities and creating the something new. You asked about the viable unheard of. Mm -hmm. Freire used to say when, when the limits set 
are said to us in a way that we think, wow, how can I do it? Then something that Kathy said is essential. We see the power we have when we look at the other and we listen to what he offers to us. I think that we create the brincadas because Kathy called, I answered, and they gave me many offerings and I learned a lot. I always say, I only copy what you say and I try to reproduce here and make people go ahead with this. But we created something because we are connected. We are not individually. We are singularly important, but collectively we are strong. We can make the difference. We can make revolution. That's what I believe. And that's what I'm seeing. Wow. This is so amazing. Uh, the, the thing that just popped into my head was one of the things I think a lot about is imagination because imaginative play was the kind of play I really loved as a child more than any other kind of play. And then I, I thought as I started learning this about about play, I thought, well, my kind of play doesn't really translate into adulthood. Can't, you know, go be a you know, go be a actor or something like this didn't work out for me at the time. Um, but what I what I started to think was that my imagination turned on me at a certain point. And I only was seeing all of the the negatives and the, and the impossibilities and all the limitations. And then I started, my imagination started building out the limitations and making them even higher and harder um, than they even were. And what you're doing, especially for us adults who kind of don't, maybe we don't remember what it was like when we played as a kid to pretend we were Luke Skywalker, to be something we could never be, but we believed in that moment. And, you know, that we can reverse that trend that leads to anxiety and, and, and just paralyzation and turn it all the way 180 degrees and turn it right back to what we had when we were children, which was seeing all the possibilities in the whole world in our relationships. And wow, sorry, I'm just... I'm really blown away by what I'm learning here. But that's exactly how I feel. I feel like I, I want to be Superman and be Superwoman. <laughs> because we are a team yeah. of uh, heroes working hard and creating this imaginary work. But that's something that Kathy says. We are creating revolution. We are, we are creating, we are producing a revolutionary thing with wow. the book. I just just want to add to to what Fernanda was saying, and also just what you were just talking about, Kara. Just really, you know, reminded me as well. Uh, you know, the um, and this may be provocative, not for Fernanda, but probably not for you, Kara. But whatever, whatever. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. I can take it. A, spit it out. Spit <laughs> it out. Um, you know, the co common word in sort of social justice and you know when you think about movements for change and whatever that it's like a lot what we talk about is you know change 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 right and I think that if you take a look at Vygotsky's work and Fernanda I think you agree with this but I'd be really interested to hear your take on this but part of why I'm a Vygotskyan too mm -hmm. uh, and I learned from people like Fernanda and Lois Holzman and um, and others uh, is because what he worked on and who just quickly who Vygotsky was he was um, he wa he was working in the in the early days of the Soviet of the Russian Revolution uh, back when um, there was a real opening in you know for new ideas in science and psychology and education and the arts and whatever and he was part of that movement and he was looking at um childhood development uh and in particular looking at the social nature of learning and development his work ended up getting suppressed um once Stalin came to power and his work actually wasn't translated into English until the early 1960s. And so the rest of the world didn't even know about Vygotsky until mm. then. Um, and, but what he talks about and what I think is so key to the work of the brigade and to what Fernanda does and also one of our endorsers, the Eastside Institute, is this idea that in order to create change, we're all going to have to develop. Ooh. <laughs> 
we're going to have to develop in ways that we have sort of stopped developing as a society and in many cases as individuals. And, um, but development can't happen anywhere in any old circumstance. You, you, you need to create the space or what Vygotsky describes a ZPD, a zone of proximal development, where you're with people who are different than you at varying from different places. Who it's a, it's a heterogeneous grouping. I mean, he talked about it with children, but we've taken it further. Excuse me to include for adults that you need people who don't belong together, who were not supposed to be in the same room together, Zoom or otherwise. <laughs> having a ZPD, building building the environment in which everybody can grow and develop. And play is an essential part of that. Um, but we're just not, if we're going to change our world, we're all going to have to develop in new ways. And I think that's what's so amazing about, again, I don't mean to be totally US centric, but what is amazing about what we're, the window that we have here, but also the window that COVID represented. And mm. Fernanda and I've talked about this a lot of like, oh, this world is a freaking mess. <laughs> and all these things that some people have been aware of are now on display for yes. everybody to see the dysfunction of the healthcare systems throughout the world, the incredible inequity that exists between poor people and people of means, the fact that the people who are most vulnerable and, and are most and victimized by this, by this disease are poor people, are people of color. That is, that has come onto display and is visible in ways that was never visible before. And that's creating a space for people to grow and develop in new ways. And um, I would say that the demonstrations on the street, the streets of the world, along with the play sessions of the Global Play Brigade, are incredibly imaginative, creative, playful performances of protest. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I was excited to join my first session. I kind of want to like, uh, not wrap up with this, but I just want to talk about the sessions. When I, when I joined my first session, I was a little scared because I'm used to joining Zooms that I can kind of go in and out of, do other things while I'm doing them, you know, but there, this is not like that. This is very participatory on a very high level. Um, and then the idea of being that free with a bunch of strangers. Um, I joined a, a musical jam, which was amazing. I had to do it in my car because my um, I, couldn't, I couldn't make noise in my house. But I mean, and then there were other ones where I'm literally doing storytelling activities and all of this kind of thing. And in my head, I thought, well, this is fun, but I'm not really like accomplishing anything right now. I had that because I'm very much productivity minded person. But of course, I also love play. So I just step back and say, what just happened to me? And it really was a time where I had to face a fear, chop off some some anxieties and let them sit on the floor for a minute while I do this thing. And then I came out the other side so excited to join again because I could tell that there was something different about what was happening here. And I and it's it seems like doing what you were talking about with the police and the and the teens would be impossible to do in a Zoom setting. But you guys have really done an amazing job of bringing that to the virtual world. Um, and is there anything about these sessions you'd kind of like to just say to the to people listening who might be interested in joining? Like, what can they expect? Fernanda, you want to say something? <laughs> I can say a little bit. Well, I have joined sessions and I have also facilitated sessions and uh -huh. created our own sessions here in Brazil. And I am always amazed to see how people change through the process of participation. It's unbelievable. Some people get there and you see they are like I was the first time I was there. And then suddenly your face changes. I am a discourse analyst. I am a <laughs> linguist. So I do discourse analysis of facial expressions huh. and, and, and try to make sense of what this means. I even have a doctoral student who is taking his PhD and studying the brincadas and exactly this thing, how people change and how they participate in a different way 
through through the, uh, the the beginning to the end of the session mm-hmm. and how afterwards this changes their way of participating because one thing that I was discussing with another brigadier hit this week we play for something we play for a world that we want to see different we are not just just playing we are playing yes and we are enjoying it but Within this idea that we are changing the world, so we are connected. The other day, Kathy was saying, can you think that you are in a room with people from, I don't know, 25 different countries? Mm-hmm. And in these 25 different countries, there are huge problems going on, and yeah. these people are having to deal with that. But at this moment, they are listening to you creating a story. At that moment, they are listening to you. They are looking at your silly face and sharing a silly face with you. So at that moment, we are all trying to create a world that is different from the one we have outside. So we will change the world with this. I really believe this. Absolutely. very powerful. I just listening to the the list of countries that was listed out in the last meeting I joined with you guys, I was just blown away by how long it took yeah. to read it because you are everywhere almost. Well, not everywhere. Yet, I have but the list be. if you want it. <laughs> I will. Actually, I'd love to put that on the show notes just to like show how many countries you guys are in. Um, and I will also I'll put in the show notes. I'd love a link to that book that you mentioned that um, the published, the one that's recently published. Um but actually participating is just the tip of the iceberg of what you can do to join in to what the Play Brigade is doing. You have um, volunteers, you have, you have the brigadiers themselves. You also have uh, um, ways to donate. Um, and if you are someone who could run a session, there's an application form for that. Um, it's just an amazing group of people, um, especially if you're in isolation um, and you feel a little lonely Come be a brigadier because, oh my goodness, just in this last couple of weeks of getting to know you guys, I have already made some new friends that I look forward to seeing and having coffee dates with on um, on uh, Zoom here. Um, is there anything that you guys would like to close with? I know we just have a few more minutes. Um, wow. I, yeah. usually <laughs> I usually don't go this long, but I'm just like, oh, we, we can't stop. We have to go to the end. <laughs> Well, I'm as as one of the chief marketers of the Global Play Brigade. I have a few things to say. Yeah, <laughs> to, to add, um, let's see. Okay, so I guess you'll include this in the notes. But our mm-hmm. our um, website is um, globalplaybrigade.org. You can uh, also look up GoFundMe Global Play Brigade. And we're raising money. Um, this Everything that we've been doing has been completely volunteer. We like to say our resource is love. Our, um, our, uh, and we have a, we have, yes, we have a, a little gesture, which yes. is the heart on your, and then you throw, you, you send it out. Um, <laughs> play it forward. Play it forward, change the world. Um, we're raising money because we need it for our technology, for the website. Uh, we want to be able to promote the workshops, which, as you mentioned, Kara, I believe they're all free. Every single workshop is free. They're a mix of both what might be described as sort of purely playful um, and then others which we call, we put under the category of voices, which is sort of a mix of play and conversation because we want to create space for people to talk about the emotional you know, challenges that they're feeling. The um, people are very upset about many things Mm -hmm. um, for people to have a chance to talk to each other and to listen to each other. So we have those. And if you go on the website, you can sign up for free for any of these sessions and we're adding new ones every single day. Um, uh, The um, yes. And and to be a brigadier, that means that you, you want to, you want to help grow, grow the global play brigade. And so some people are applying to lead workshops. Some people are helping out with committees. Like we have a, a we have an ever expanding and we desperately need this website team mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, marketing and communication. So there's so many different ways that people can get involved. Um, I also just want to share that we're also one of, we, we're, we're either endorsed or sponsored by a few different organizations who have been so key to bringing us together. And that is, that includes the Eastside Institute, 
um, which is a postmodern um, training center and sort of a hub for performance activists around the world. It is through that organization that Fernanda and I met. Uh, the conference Performing the World, the conference uh, Perform, Play, Learn, Grow, the Applied Improvisation Network, AIN. Um, we have many people from that fabulous organization and also from the uh, Global Improvisation Initiative, GII. Um, so those those organizations have all endorsed us and we're actually now starting to sort of <clears throat> hear from other other places who want to sort of come on board in some way. Um, and so if you're interested, if you've yeah. got an organization that you would like to, you know, become a partner in some way with the Global Play Brigade, please do that. Um, one of our organizations, the Eastside Institute, Performing the World and the Eastside Institute is is having a conference or no, it's not a conference. What is it? It's a, it's a happening, Performing the World Happenings. Um, and they're coming up in July and August and there's going to be many people, the Global Play Brigade is going to be featured there, but it's a, also, a, it's this incredible gathering of people who are using performance and play in social activism around the world whether that is working with people with dementia, whether that is working in um, some of the poorest communities with young children who are living on the streets, you know, from Uganda to Brazil to, um, uh, whether it's working with people with mental illness who are suffering from very significant stigma, mm. you know, in countries like India, uh, on and on and on. It's a beautiful work. And so um, please do check out the um, eastsideinstitute.org and the performingtheworld.org sites for those events, which we're very involved in. That's great. And actually, uh, Tony Perrone, uh, he was a guest on the podcast a while back, a couple of years ago, and I before I stopped for a hiatus. And he, I'm so grateful to him for introducing me to the Global Play Brigade. Um, yeah, he's a part of that. We love Tony. World. Yeah. Oh, we man. love Tony. Um, yeah. So come become a, a, a participant and also become a brigadier. Have some fun. Meet a whole new group of people that you can't even imagine how inspiring they are. Um, so thank you both. Um, any last words? I know, Fernanda, do you have anything else you wanted to share before we go? Just thank you very much for allowing <laughs> me to come and say some things about our country and our projects. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathy and Fernanda. Oh, thank you, Kara. Oh, this is wonderful. Thanks for listening. You can find all of the links to all of the fun things we talked about on today's show, and there are a lot of them. You can find them at playgrounding.com slash 50. Yay, 50 episodes. Um, be sure to subscribe, though, because next week we're going to continue this conversation about play and activism with artist Scott Froschauer. If you've ever seen a street sign somewhere, they're all over the, they're all over right now, U.S. and Canada. Um, but maybe the street sign looked a little different and you looked at it and you realized it was not what you thought it was at all, but in a good way, you've seen his work. We're going to have a great conversation with him next week, so be sure to join us. And you can always, you know, review if you feel like it, if you want to, no biggie. Anyway, see you next week.